Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theology and Worship podcast. We exist to equip worshipers for spirit and truth worship. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to be concluding our series on the will of God. You might have noticed that over the past three podcasts, I've remained somewhat neutral about my stance where I land on sovereignty of God, uh, election, uh, predestination, does God predestine us to heaven, hell. I've really kind of leaned on the foreknowledge idea, and that's because the purpose of these podcasts is not to give my viewpoint, because honestly, there are super smart people on all sides of the debate who have thought through their arguments, who have done the research, done the studying far more than I have. The purpose of this is to kind of get you acquainted with the conversation and for you to understand that there are smart people on each side. I think that that's important to just understand right away. It's not sinful to be a Calvinist. It's not wrong to be an Arminian. Uh, it, It really, you know, there are smart people on all sides of the debate. And I think, you know, like the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it is for kings to search out the mysteries of God. And so what I want to see is worshipers. I, I really want to ignite a passion for theology in my listeners. That's the whole point. So as we conclude, you know, I want to kind of talk about the idea of election. Election is the, is the uh, you know, well, let's just start here. In Romans 8, which we have studied over the past few weeks, Romans 8 and 9, uh, you know, pretty uh, intentionally, we have that part where it leans on his foreknowledge, right? In verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, right? And we unpacked that a few podcasts ago, the idea that he's outside of time, time is a construct of the universe, he sees all at one time, and based on that, he makes uh, decisions about destiny. We kind of talked about that a little bit. We talked about the fact that those whom he's called, he's justified, he's also glorified. It's a done and finished work. It is a done deal. Now, check out the next section here. This is in verse 31 of Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And so you have this idea of election. The reason why I think it's important to talk about this and for this to be introduced in the conversation is because for those who believe that God in his sovereignty has predestined us to heaven or hell. This is an idea that we talk about, election. Why does Paul here use the word elect? And, you know, I think that this is probably the first time that Paul uses the word elect. I need to say I think because I'm pretty confident that Romans was written before, you know, First Timothy and some of the other books where he uses this term that we're going to kind of talk through here. And so this is probably where we should try and understand what he means by election. Now, first of all, I want to point out that Romans 8, verses uh, 28 through, it is talking about salvation. It is talking about eternal destiny. So I can agree with that. It seems like God, based on foreknowledge, is making decisions about destiny. Okay, number one. So I think that election could have to do with salvation. 
Now, the problem with that is that the next mention of, of the word elect doesn't really have anything to do with salvation. That's kind of the tough thing for me. So I'm going to read here in Romans 9, verse 9, which is the next part about election. For this is what the promise said. This is talking about to Abraham and Sarah. About this next time, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now this particular word election is not, it's not meaning the same thing that Romans 8 seems to be meaning, because when he elected Jacob over Esau, it had nothing to do with salvation, right? It had everything to do with the bloodline that was going to bring forth Jesus, that was going to come through Jacob's bloodline. God, arbitrarily, from our perspective, for whatever reason, he chose Jacob over Esau. We don't know the eternal destination of either of them. We just don't. And so this particular passage on election actually is not about salvation. Let's go to the next one. Romans 11, verse 28 says this, As regards the gospel, they, which is the Jews, are enemies of God for your sake, but as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So in Romans 11, um, Paul is basically making the argument, is God done with the nation of Israel? And then he comes to the conclusion, no, he's not done with them. They have in part been blinded to the truth that Jesus is the Messiah so that the gospel can now come to the Gentiles, those who are non-Jewish. That has happened for a time, and so they are enemies of God for our sake so that the gospel will pass through the Israelites to the Gentiles, to us who are non-Jew, and so they are enemies of God for that sake, but as regards to election, they are still beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Israel is still the elected nation. Now that's talking about, again, the same idea of Jacob and Esau. God chose the nation Israel, seemingly arbitrarily from our perspective, in order to bring forth Jesus. Then they reject Jesus so that the promises that were made to Israel can now be passed on to the Gentiles. Now, I think this is a podcast for a different day. What about Israel? What's the what's the destiny of Israel? We're not going to get into much of that now. I do think that they will probably have a, another chance to receive Messiah, but you know, for the sake of this argument, it's seen, I, I'm pointing out here that the idea of election is worthy of a conversation. It's not as cut and dry as we think. It's not as clear as we think. Even within just Paul's statements, uh, we don't truly have a a firm foundation to believe one way or the other. I have my opinion about it, but I think this is all to say that it's worth the conversation and there are smart people on both sides. What's interesting is Jesus also uses the word elect. This is really interesting to me because Paul probably would be borrowing the idea, the concept from Jesus, as he rightfully should. He Jesus talks about the elect in the end times in Matthew 24. In fact, he even says that things will get so bad and the enemy will be so crafty that if it's even possible, he will try and confuse and trick the elect, <laughs> which is a really interesting idea right there that 
that, you know, could the elect even be swayed, you know? And there are other passages in Peter where Peter is encouraging the elect to stay strong and not lose the election that's been given to them. And so it just goes to show you that the idea of election is a little more flexible and fluid than we might understand, and that the will of God, I think truly, is something that God wants us to understand by means of studying His Word, filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit, and surrounding ourselves with His presence. It's not a theology. The will of God is not a theology. It's an actuality that we can experience in our daily lives and step into as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that that honestly is the point that we can miss in trying to discern the sovereignty of God and God's will over time and space and God's uh, decisions about destiny and predestiny. I think that in that we can lose the fact that the will of God can be made known to us by His Word and by knowing His Son, like Romans uh, 12 is going to later say. And so I want to finish up the Will of God series here by saying, in a lot of ways, we don't know. It's a fun conversation, and it's, it's for kings to search out, and it's for scholars to dig through. But at the end of the day, even a child can walk into the stillness of the will of God if they are just willing to slow themselves and hear God's voice. And that's really what this is all about. At the end of the day, worship. Worship. Worship the God who is outside of time and space. Worship the God who knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Worship the God who, to him, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Worship. Surrender yourself to him. 